0: Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. Some of you guys know I'm, uh, we have some, some problems at our home, and we have some water damage. And so insurance company moved us to a hotel. And I don't know if you're like me, but I need coffee in the morning. It's essential to have coffee in the morning. And when I woke up and I knew I was gonna be preaching, so I wanted to kind of review it a little bit and and read my Bible and my notes. And I go and they had these little like coffee machine things. And I go and turn it on and guess what happened? It did not work. Thank God for brothers in Christ like Pastor Rob, who went to Starbucks for me and got me some coffee so I'd be caffeinated. Amen, amen, amen. So for a lot of you guys know we've been going through this series called Freedom. And it's Freedom of Christ. And we've been taking a journey through the book of Romans. And Romans is one of Paul's epistles to the churches in Rome. And what I really love about this is that even though Paul planted many churches, he did not plant this one. Matter of fact, what happened was he was in a place called Corinth and he was preaching in a church. And while he was preaching there, there was somebody in the church that heard the gospel message from Paul preaching, saw in his life that he lived this lifestyle. He didn't just talk about it, but he lived like a Christian, took it in, went home to Rome, and decided that he was gonna share it and plant a church himself. And they got more churches in Rome. So Paul was so excited about this, that the gospel was moving forward and going to Rome, which was the world capital at the time, that now he's got to let these Christians know what it is to be a Christian. So a lot of Romans is, is very theological and they really, really break down the gospel. So that's what Pastor Pete has been breaking down to you, the gospel message. So now all of you have heard that. All you've been coming, you've heard this gospel message. So now if you have chosen to accept the gospel, accept that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, today we're going to talk about what it is to be a Christian, the marks of a Christian. Now, if I were to ask you, matter of fact, anybody in this room, if I were to ask you, are you a Christian? Most of you would probably, without even question, like raise your hand and say, yes, of course I'm a Christian. know, I've been coming to church for a while, or maybe my mom or dad was a Christian. But what if I was gonna ask somebody who was in your life, who was watching you, who you didn't even know was watching you. And we weren't at Sunday service, we were at your job, or maybe even in your home. And I would ask them, you didn't know I was gonna ask them, I said, hey, is this person a Christian? what would they say? Would they still say you're a Christian? Some of us like, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, today's title is called the mark of a Christian. And the word mark is kind of like a characteristic, but it also could be something that we aim for. It's like something that we go to, that we aim for, that we try to be like And our ultimate mark, the ultimate goal, the model is Jesus Christ. We want to, as Christians, be like Jesus. Matter of fact, that's where the name comes from. Christian means little Christ. And these same Romans used to make fun of us after Jesus Christ died. They saw these Christians running around. They're like, hey, look at these guys. (laughs) They're trying to be like Christ. So they called us Christians. And that's where the name comes from. The name comes from the meaning. We're trying to be like Christ. So if you are not trying to be like Christ, it might be hard to call yourself a Christian. Warning, this might touch a couple people, rub the wrong way. So what Paul is going to show us is some marks of a Christian. He's going to show us how marks of a Christian and how we treat each other, brothers and sisters of Christ. And then the marks of a Christian on how we treat people outside the church so either we're gonna be a real christian and we're gonna do what god says or we can come to sunday put on our little suit our christian suit show up on sunday say hallelujah and as soon as we leave church and we go back home we take off our suit and you see the real us it's our decision But these marks are here also as a gauge. And myself included, I was challenged by these marks. The Bible challenges me when I read it because I see parts of my life that I fail at. I see parts of my life that I haven't reached yet and I'll never reach that mark. But the difference between a Christian and a person who really is not a Christian is a Christian will always try to be better in reaching that mark because he wants to draw closer to God and not away from God. Amen? So, the first thing we're going to talk about today, and we're going to go turn your books, uh, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And while you're turning there, I want us to pray. I want us to submit this to God. Dear Father God, I, I just I pray today that you, that you bless this, that, that, that you open up hearts and ears. Father God, speak through me. Move me out the way. Speak through me, Father God. Lord, there's some people in this room who might not have accepted you yet, who, who might not have made you their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that they see this and they want more of you, Lord, and they want to do that today. And there's some people in here who might have been just going to church for maybe even years, but... Just fully haven't submitted. I pray they do that today. And then there's people who are just trying to get better. And I pray this encourages them. And they can see parts that they need to work on. And work on those parts. And see parts that are doing good. And and we even work on those too. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do today. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. So we're going to go to uh, Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 9. Romans chapter 12. Verse 9. When you get there, say amen, please. All right. So Paul's writing to the churches and he says, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. That's how he starts it off. You see, genuine love is not something that's reduced to sentimentalism or or, or manipulation. It's not something that's fake or, or hypocritical, which sounds easy enough. But most of us through our life, We have learned how to pretend to love others maybe we didn't want to hurt their feelings or maybe we would pretend to take interest in them so we could find a way to get something that we wanted there's things that we have done that might not have been genuine we put our suit on for a minute and even some of us even got skilled over time of pretending to be compassionate when we hear other people's needs i know some of you guys are like oh not me But sometimes when somebody says, hey, man, this just happened in my life and I don't know what to do. But part of us is like, oh, man, I'm going to pray for you. But deep down, some of us are like, well, if it doesn't have anything to do with my life or my household, I really don't care. But as a Christian, the genuine love is the sincere love. And it's beyond politeness or pretense. And it's a love that Paul had to stop everything he was doing to talk about. Because the first and one of the most important marks of being a Christian. And that's love. But it's a love that takes action. It's a love that's sincere. Something that you mean. You know, I had a discussion with a friend of mine because we were talking about love. And I said love was the action. And he told me, no, no, no. Love is a noun. Well, yeah, if you're an English student, it's a noun. But how many of you guys have ever been in a relationship before? Raise your hand. How many of you guys have somebody say they love you and didn't? They say they love you, but they didn't show it. Did they really love you? No, they didn't. Because yeah. the action is something you have to do, you have to show. It's not fake or hypocritical. See, the mark of a Christian is love, and love is the action. The second part of this verse is, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. See, abhor is this, this strong feeling of revulsion or aversion. And, and, and to, to cling is the, to glue on to something, to hold on to something for dear life. See, as Christians, we are supposed to abhor what is evil. The things that God says are, are sin, we're supposed to hate. And the things that God said is good, we're supposed to love. You know, one of the things I, I love about our church is for people to become members, they have to do this one-on-one discipleship. And the one-on-one discipleship is really awesome because it teaches you what it is to be a disciple. It teaches you what it is to be a Christian. The core stuff. I mean, how are we supposed to say we believe in something that we don't know anything about? And so it teaches that. And what I love is the second part of this discipleship process. And there's a part in there where it talks about sin. And what God says is sin. First, our feelings and our emotions. And there's some things that the Bible says sin, but our emotions, our feelings, our culture might say, no, 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 no. Skip that part. Let's talk about God as love and let's do this. But skip this part right here because we don't want to tackle that. But God lets us know that when he says sin, we have to abhor and stay away from. And when he says good, we have to embrace Embrace this gospel like we never did before. Verse 10. It says, love one another. Or some translators say devote, which shows the proper family context. I love how Franklin said, this church is a family. And we are brothers and sisters. It's not just by word. When we say we love you, we don't just say it. It's not just by word, but we mean it with all of our heart. And you are welcome here. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, honor is to promote somebody else's reputation above yourselves. You know, we usually do honor in a couple ways. One way is sometimes we honor people with ulterior motives. You guys ever had a boss before? You really pumped him up or her up, right? (laughs) Great job. That is amazing. Like, I've never seen nobody do it as good as you do it, right? Or maybe they, they, they crack a joke, and you're like, ha, 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 ha. You know it wasn't funny. But we do that with, with other people, employees, even if somebody's wealthy sometimes, maybe we've done that before, we, we treated somebody a little better, we show partialism. But then there's the second type, to honor someone Because of who they are, because they were created in God's image. And each person that was created in God's image has their own uniqueness about them. They have things that God has blessed them and made them unique, different from everybody else. Side note, don't ever try to be like somebody else. God created you to be different. And and, and those uniquenesses, we're supposed to honor those things. You know, the outdo part. This is so powerful right here. It made me stop for a second. You know what the number one cause of divorce is? Number one cause, and some of you guys are gonna name, you know, finances, uh, uh, sex, you're gonna, communication. The number one cause of divorce is that one person in the relationship, if not both people in the relationship, say this. Well, what about me? He doesn't treat me like this, he's supposed to do this. She doesn't do this. You know, if people, instead of thinking about th- themselves and thought about the other person, they always try to outserve each other, outdo each other. By the way, that's a good competition to have. If both people were stopped thinking about themselves and always trying to love each other more, I don't think there would ever be divorced. I don't think there would ever be, this works for, for any relationship, for friendships. If, if friendships try to outserve each other, they try to outlove each other. You'll never be upset. You'll never be unhappy. But we get selfish. But this is not the mark of a Christian to be selfish. It's to be selfless. And to pour out our is to honor others above ourselves. Verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know, one of the marks of a Christian is when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you. And there's a change that happens. Something different is about you. All of a sudden you get this this zeal, this passion. And you want to serve. You want to give back because you know what God has done for your life. And now you want to share that with others. Part of that is serving. If you're not serving in a ministry right now, ask yourself why. And then after you ask yourself why, because we might, you know, try to rationalize with our own heads. Ask God, God, why am I not serving you right now? Why am I not serving in the ministry right now? And see what he says. Because when we truly are grateful for what he has done for us, we want to show it not just by our words in worship, but by our actions in service. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Hey, look, every day is not going to be a great day. There's going to be times where things are rough, things are tough, but you got to rejoice in the hope because this is temporary, and we know our security. We know what is eternal, so we have to have hope in Jesus Christ. We have to be patient when things are hard, knowing that it's going to be a better day, and as Christians, a mark is that we have to stay in prayer because it's not us that is moving, but it must be God that is doing everything in our life just like Franklin said, I man, I could do a whole sermon of what Franklin said today. God was using him. It was so powerful what he was saying. And I was sitting there, I was resonating, and I was in tears on my knees over there. Because the mark of a Christian is having the Holy Spirit yeah. guiding you and leading you. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to say, God, I give it to you. Amen. Verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of saints, and seek to show hospitality. The word contributing in the Greek is, is koinio, and, and it's very similar to um, koinia, which is fellowship. And I, I think one of the two core things that, that Paul really wanted to stress was for us as church, as a believer, we should fellowship together, and we should share with one another. And that should be a given. We should always be doing that. But I, I, I saw this part, and I almost missed it. I really almost missed it. He said, contribute to the needs of the saints. Saints is us. Church. Mm -hmm. And seek to show hospitality. The word seek. It means you're actually looking for somebody to bless. You're looking for somebody to share something with. You're not just waiting for something to come to you. So you can pray about it. But you're looking, who can I share something with? Who can I give something to today? Who can I help out today? Let me wake up. Matter of fact, if we woke up in the morning and we started praying and we were like, dear God, show me who I can bless today. Show me, I'm seeking, show me who I can help out today. Instead of dear God, can you please bless me today? Can you please bless when I go here and do that? It's a big difference in mentality that I want us encouraged to receive this. You know, hospitality, Back then was, was a lot more than just social entertaining. You know, in the Jewish culture, hospitality was taking visitors who were coming from out of town at no charge. And even the early church, they really appreciated this because people would come and they wouldn't have money for housing or lodging. And so you were giving your brother a place to stay when they need it. Believers help support each other. You know, I, I just told you at the beginning that our house, our kitchen had water damage and, and they had to take out like a third of my kitchen. And at first I was like, oh man, like I didn't know if insurance was gonna cover it. You know, I got a, a wife and I got two young kids and I'm like, where am I gonna, I, I gotta find a place to stay, do I gotta get a hotel? And there's a, uh, our, my brother back there, Chris Brown, who's our graphics designer. Chris Brown called me. He's like, hey man, I just wanna call in and check in on you. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, it's it's all bad right now. He said, you know what? He was like, we got a room in our house for you. They don't have no extra room in their house. I've been to their house. (laughs) The point is, he was going to make a room in their house for me. And for my family to share. And that meant the world to me. Because even though... I wasn't going to take him off on the offer. The fact that he offered was, wow, that, that, that really said a lot. You know, and it's also something that we should do for each other here in the church. Here at New Vision Church. You know, Jewish people believe in taking care of the needs of their community. Community in context of, of here in the church and community in context of outside in our community right here. And even in Paul's day, the Christians, they agreed This was a not discussed topic. It was just a given topic that they knew that they were supposed to do. And I love this about our church because we really do that. We live by that example of, of serving and giving to the community here in our own context, right? I don't know if you know this. And if this is your first time here, if you're watching online, I want you to know this about New Vision Church. New Vision Church loves God and they love people. Yeah. That is our core. That's what we do. And when people in our church who come here, the body of Christ comes here, and they're going through something, we are here for them. We're praying for them. We've helped with benevolences because we're a church that loves God and loves people. And not just that, we also do stuff in the community. Some of you have been here a while. We have our Hope Toy Drive. We were able to bless and share the gospel with over 15,000 people last year, which is amazing. We have events and beautifications where we just went to the hospitals and we blessed all the doctors and the frontline workers, the nurses, even the teachers. A matter of fact, two weeks ago, two schools called me up right before they were about to start. They're saying, we're going back to in-person and, and we're a little freaked out about it. We don't know what to do. And they asked for help. Let me tell you something. When a public school, when they're in trouble, and the first person they call is the local church, you know you're doing something right in your community. Amen? Because the mark of the Christian is love. And love is an action. So now Paul's going to go from, number two, being a Christian <laughs> to the local church. It requires us to love the, the local church and the people in it. The being a Christian requires us to love an unbeliever as well. We don't have to agree with them. But we are called to love them. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. The word bless means to call upon God to show his kindness how he would treat somebody. Sometimes that's hard to do. We forget that Jesus Christ died on the cross for everybody, not just us. And when we look at someone and we're mad at them or they're persecuting us, our first instinct is to do the opposite. We want to get back. We want to defend ourselves. But it's saying, bless them. Why was Paul asking Christians to bless persecutors? It might have been that Paul was a persecutor himself and he got saved. You'd be surprised in your life who you showing a little kindness to God can do and touch their heart and have them transform and have them out here preaching on this stage to you. You know, Paul was a a persecutor and and persecuted Christians and, and became the writer of this epistle in the Bible. Peter was a fisherman who ended up being a fisher of men. God created the earth and everything in it in only six days. You can't tell me he can't change your heart in one. Sometimes I think us Christians, we forget about transformation. Like we don't believe in it. We don't believe that God can change somebody. I don't think they believe that Pastor Rob, when he was getting high at the park, And he probably gave up on him and counted him out and said, no, no, there's no hope in him that he would be a pastor here one day at New Vision Church. I don't believe Carmelo, while Carmelo was dodging cases and going in and out, that he would be helping youth transform their lives for Christ and impacting the community in tremendous ways. But God can do anything. But sometimes he wants us to show them That kindness and that love. Christian fellowship is is more than just a pat on the back or a handshake or a hello in the morning. Verse 15 says, Live in harmony with one another, excuse me, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. When times are going hard, we need to be there for one another. And when things are good, we should be the first one to congratulate each other. Candy candy just got a brand new job and we were there this morning awesome that's all man congratulations let's congratulate her for all her hard work being a christian it's not just a hello in the morning but there has to be an emotional tie with one another we have to share with each other's burdens but also with each other's blessings and this is different from the teaching in in the greek and this is also different from the teachings that we learn from the world today. But God didn't call us to follow that teaching; He called us to follow the teaching right here. Yeah. And so, as a Christian, this is how we're supposed to do. Number 16: Live in harmony or peace with one another. Do not be haughty or, hum, or, or do not be haughty or word is translated as proud, but associate with the lowly the humble, and never be wise in your own sight. We have to be in peace with each other, even with people we don't agree with. But also, we have to reject the the thought that comes in us that we are superior or better than other people. Sometimes as Christians, especially if we've been Christian for a long time, we see people, we think, we have this tendency to think that we can be better than them. But we forget where we came from. And we forget how bad we were and how awful our life was and how much we needed Christ when we were in tears with boogers coming out of our nose <laughs> praising Him and thanking Him. Yeah. Verse 17 We pay no one evil for evil. I don't know if you guys ever tried that. Anybody ever tried that before? Like getting revenge on somebody? How does that work out for us? It just... It, it's like it's like taking a fire and taking like a whole bunch of gasoline, it's like and, and yeah, and it just it just goes and goes and it just makes it worse and worse. But he says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, listen to this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, so far as it depends on who? Live peaceably with all. So what is Paul saying? That sometimes it's possible for a Christian not to get along with someone else? I would love to say no. But yes, it is. Because sometimes, no matter how hard you try to be nice to someone, they're just not ready to receive it yet. But unfortunately, unfortunately... Even though the context, Paul is not even thinking about Christians doing this to Christians. This is the context to an unbeliever. But unfortunately, that happens in the church too. That happens with believers. And I ask myself why. I think some people just, we haven't got mature enough yet in our walk. No matter how many years we've been going to church, we just... We just haven't got there yet. There's some issues we haven't worked on. We haven't tackled them because we're trying to avoid that area of our lives. We only give Jesus part of it. But this, I I don't want to deal with that. And and then when it comes, the root comes to the surface. But for us, as long as it depends on us, let us always try to live a life above reproach. A blameless life. So no matter what, hey, you know what? I don't have any bitterness in my heart. And and I know you don't like me, but I'm just going to pray for you. And that's all I can do right now until you're ready. Verse 19. Beloved, and this is a, a term of endearment. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written. Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy 32, 35. And he's letting them know, God's got this. Don't worry about it. Instead of causing yourself all the, the pain and the torture. And even for this, for this culture, what, what Paul's listeners, there were so many lawsuits back then. It was hard for them to hear this. Matter of fact, for some of us, when God tells us, hey, let me fight your battle for you. And somebody just did you wrong. It's hard for us to receive that. We get so mad and full of emotion and rage that we just want to get back at the person. But God's saying no. We got to be careful. We got to be careful trying to, to, to fight God's battles for him. Because sometimes we just get in the way. You know, these verses are at the core of Christianity. But some of them are the hardest to do. And the practice is always harder than the principle. And I'm not saying, when we're, we're reading these things, these marks of Christianity, I'm not saying I've arrived there yet. There's things I'm working on. But as I was reading this, and this is what I encourage you, if, if there's a spot that you're doing good at, great. That's cool. There was stuff that I was doing great. But there was a couple things that I got to work on a little bit. And so I wrote those down. And so for the next month, I'm going to be working on those and working on those. It's kind of like you ever worked out before? And everybody, uh, especially the guys out there, they like to do bench press. You go on Mondays at the gym, it's super packed. Everybody wants to do bench press and do arms, but got little chicken legs. (laughs) And you see me walking in shorts? That's why I don't wear shorts. Uh, But as a Christian, When there's a part of us that is weaker and not stronger like the other, some things we have strong, but there's part of us weak. That's the one we really need to work on. So I want to encourage you, if there's something that I'm saying today, because none of us got it all figured out, that you see that, you know what? Yeah. Write it down. And let's work on it. Verse 20. To the contrary. I don't know why I love that word. It's weird. If your enemy is hungry, he's giving us an alternative to do instead of just fighting your own battles. He said, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. I don't know if you ever read the Sermon on the Mount or or, or the Gospel of Matthew. You're going to see a lot of parallels that Jesus is teaching here. This was common for people to quote teachers and rabbis, but he's actually quoting God. And so he says... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. You know, it's kind of crazy. The Egyptians, they used to carry a pan of burning coals. And they would have to walk around with this burning coals on their head. As a sign to show public repentance to everyone. And so when when people, when I first read this a long time ago, I was like, what does that mean, burning coals? Well, most scholars say it's shaming them. By, by, By showing kindness for evil, it's shaming them. And then other scholars will say, well, by doing good when people are doing evil, God will fight your battles. I personally think it's a little bit of both. I think when we when we bless other people who are persecuting us, when we, when we help other people and be kind to people who are mean to us, ah. when we kill them with kindness, Amen. it starts wearing them down. Yeah. Then somebody might do something really bad to you and then like, you just bless them with a Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> what? Why did you do that? I've been treating them so mean. All of a sudden, their walls start going down and they get brought down And so maybe they repent and say, I'm sorry. But I think the other side too, if if you do that and we're blameless and we show them kindness and they don't repent and they still treat you mean, well, then God, hey, God, you got this. This is how he fights our battles. I'm serious. So (laughs) we have to try to do that. And that's hard. Some people, we have people in our life who are really mean to us, who judge us. They talk behind our back. They say things to us that are hurtful. And the last thing you want to do is say something nice to them. I mean, really, it's hard. Some of us, that might be the thing you got to write down. But it's a mark of a Christian come on, come on. to show forgiveness when people hurt us. Because we have to remember when we hurt God by doing sin and, and transgression against him. He still forgave us. He forgave me. 21 says, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The reason why he finished off like that, if we don't show kindness to them and we do try to get them with vengeance, we're overcome by evil. Our thoughts. You ever had an argument with somebody for like 20 minutes and they weren't even in the room? (laughs) is on your head you're running this whole situation in your head that's sin it overcomes us we're thinking about it we dwell on it sometimes we're up till three o'clock in the morning we wake up from our sleep do not he's saying that's not good don't do that just love on them love your enemy because the mark of a christian is love but love is an action Number three. By this we know love. Turn your Bibles to 1 John 3.16. So now, 1 John, not not, not John 3.16, not the gospel. Everybody knows that one by heart. Yeah. Everybody loves that one, but this one I want us to apply. 1 John 3.16 is towards the back of your book. Back of your Bible. And so 1 Paul. He shows us the marks of a Christian when we are dealing with the church, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how we're supposed to treat them. And then he goes on, okay, that's for the church. Now, this is how I want you to treat the unbelievers. Because these are the people we have to love too, because they don't know what Christianity is about. And if you don't teach somebody about Christianity, how are they ever going to know? We can't expect somebody to act some way if they've never been taught that way. But now we're going to see where this... Love that we talk about, this mark of a Christian comes from, but also the expectancy and why. Number three in your notes. Or oh, excuse me, one, uh, sixteen. By this. Everybody say, by this. By this. By saying by this, he's talking about this right here. So pay attention. We know love by this We know love. And now he's going to explain what by this is. That he, being Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we, in response to that, we are to lay down our lives for our brothers. You see, Jesus' path to the cross is not only the source of all forgiveness of sins, but it's also the measuring stick That we gauge our own love with fellow believers. It was a sacrificial love. Let me, I want to get something straight. I want you guys to know this, okay? Jesus was not martyred. Which means he was killed for his faith. Come on, come on. Jesus did this by his own choice. Jesus, at any time... When they were beating him, pulling his beard, sticking him, putting thorns on him, nailing his hands to the cross. He could have called down thousands of angels to come rescue him at that point. But he chose not to, even when he was tired, even when he was beaten up, even when he couldn't carry the cross. And he's holding it and he's coming. And he might have, because he was 100% God and 100% man. He could have wanted to say, I don't know if I want to do this. But then all of a sudden he thought about Ryan. And he thought about Ryan's sin and said, no, if I don't finish this, then Ryan has to pay for the sin. And like Pastor Nate said, heaven would be empty if Christ didn't die on the cross. So now I got to do this so I can spend life with my family. Let me not just talk about love. Let me show it and lead it by example. Because by this, we know love. And even when he was hurt and they nailed his other hand. And then his feet, and by the way, crucifixion is, is one of the most horrific, if not the most horrific, killings that you could do to somebody. And it's, it's, it's death by persecution, but your heart explodes. So in a sense, Jesus died of a broken heart. Come, on, come on. And, and just when he wanted, just when he could have just gave up, he thought about Franklin. He thought about you. He thought about me. And he said, No, I love them and I got to do this. And so we are supposed to do that. And I know that's hard for us to think. I know that some of us were like, Ah, because, you know, the first law of the physical life is self preservation. We have to make sure that we're okay. But Jesus didn't follow the laws of the physical life. He followed the laws of the spiritual life, which was self sacrifice. Ah. And that's what Jesus lived his life. And for John's listeners, this would have hit really close to home they would have understood this way too well because in this time when john was writing this epistle the, the the romans were heavily persecuting christians they were they were taking them they were burning them this nero was the emperor and he was just just hated christians with a passion he used to have seeking parties to go out and kill him and they would put him in rings and have them torn limb from limb with lions Matter of fact, they used to take the non-citizen prisoners and they would torture them in order for them to give up other Christians. You had to go through a lot to not to betray your brother or sister. Talk about a true friend. You know, but we don't don't deal with that type of, of sacrifice today. Paul talks next of the kind of sacrifice that is hard for us, but the sacrifice that we're called to today. And that's First John 3, 17. It says, But if anyone has the world's goods, you have possessions, you have things, God has blessed you with things, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's harsh. You know, for, for a lot of Christians, when I first became a Christian, like, you know, I wanted to serve, I wanted to do things, but the hardest thing for me and the hardest thing for most Christians... It's right here. Yeah. Oh, you got to talk about giving up. Oh, something that's mine. Oh, no, 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 no. I was all good for this Jesus stuff. <laughs> but now you want me to, oh, no, no, I'm taking take off my suit. I'm out of here. <laughs> but we can't just see that. Matter of fact, James, in, in his letter, which is Jesus' brother, he said it so well. He said, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that needed for the body. What good is that? Amen. That's like if you're in like Denver or New York and it's freezing, there's a blizzard outside. You see your, you know, don't even have a jacket, your brother or sister. And you're like, all right, be warm. And you don't know, even offer them something. What good is that? You know, it's talking about in word. That's what he was saying in First John in, in word. And then there's deed. Love is not just words. They cannot just be empty. Our Christianity can't just be words. We can't just show up on Sunday and check it off the box, get a feel-good message, and go home and take off our suit and live the rest of our lives the way we want to. It has to be action. The love has to be an action. Matter of fact, you're talking about if your brother or sister is hungry. Back then, if you were holding food from someone in need, it was like starving them to death. And now we see people that are hungry all the time, and, well, I got food in my fridge. We can't think like that. We can't be like that. You know, for some unbelievers too, showing kindness is the only love they, they'll ever see. Some people, sometimes people don't know or open a Bible. The only Jesus they're going to see is out of your life. And I'll tell you what, for unbelievers, they don't care about your theology. They don't care if you, you know, are a Calvinist. They don't care if you're Arminian. They don't care if you're pre-trib, post-trib. They don't care about all that. What they do care about is your character. They do care about if you're trustworthy. They do care about if you're in need, if you're willing to see help somebody. And sometimes they'll see that. And sometimes they'll see Christ. And they'll say, you know what? I want a piece of that. I want some of that in my life. Because they sure, I don't know about you, if you ever noticed this, but even unbelievers, they might say they don't believe in God. But if you mess up, they're the first to point out. And then all the things you're supposed to be, because they have the super high view of what Christians are supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're supposed to. No, you, you're a Christian? You're a hypocrite. You're not supposed to do this, 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 this. And you're like, man, we have to live a life above reproach. You know, as Christians... All of us, and Christians are disciples, there's no difference. We're called to be selfless in our sacrifice, we're called to be selfless in our sharing, and we're called to be selfless in our service. If we're not selfless in our service, all it is is lip service. That's all it is. We're just talking. Ba, ba, bum. Because love is the action, it's not just words. Verse 19. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth. Reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Before I touch on that, let me just say something. You know, so many times when you're trying to reach to somebody, maybe you guys have, have experienced this, when, when you have somebody you love and you care about them, and you try to see them not living right, you want them to come to Jesus, and you talk to them about that, and, and you hear this, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, oh, I'm good, I'm good, man, God knows my heart, and that's the problem, God does know our heart, and he knows that it's wicked, But that's not for the person that's actually trying. See, I'm going to show you a difference here. That's for the person who is not really trying to get better as Christianity. He's just perfect and does what he wants to do. He really doesn't care what Christ wants him to do. And and, and for that person, when he's saying, by this we shall know that you are the truth and sure of our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. You know, sometimes in our life, we get doubts. Maybe I'm not doing good enough or maybe I'm not trying hard enough. And, and sometimes the enemy will have a field day with that. Yeah. But you see, when we, we have our identities in Christ and we have salvation, we have this assurance that comes with it that no matter what the enemy tries to put in our head, no matter what other people say, no matter what we say, God truly does know our heart. Yeah. And he knows we're trying. And even though I don't have all this stuff that we preached today figured out, he knows that I'm actively trying. You know, I want to show you an example. I want you to know the difference. You know, I remember when I was in high school, I played basketball. And I remember we were in a game, and they gave me, you know, opportunity got fouled. So you go to the free throw line. And I went to shoot the shot. And I had this mark. I had this thing that I was aiming for. It was this basket. And it would have put us in a good position, right? I mean, and I I wanted everybody's watching in the crowd. I was like, ha! And I had this mark, this thing I was aiming for. And guess what? I airballed. That was embarrassing too. I don't know if you ever heard a crowd go, airball. I missed the mark. And I could have just said, I know I failed. I quit this. I'm not doing this no more. But you know what I did? I said, no, no, I got to get better at this. This is a weak spot in my life. The very next day, I went to the gym in Mid-City and I shot 100 free throws. And I was making sure that I was trying to make it. And I was taking my time because I knew I had to work on the area of my life. God knows our heart if our heart is right with him. But he also knows our heart if our heart is not. See, you don't have to be perfect. But as a Christian, I want you to hear this part, okay? This is very important. As a Christian, you always have to be moving forward. And it could be baby steps, but you got to be making some progress. You could be doing baby steps because really, you know, this whole sanctification is a lifelong process. We're never going to fully hit the mark. But we have to be a little bit better than they were the day before. Each day we got to be trying to get better. Every day we have to have some type of spiritual growth. If there is no spiritual growth, then instead of moving forward, we think we're in the same spot, but we're actually moving backwards. And if there's people, and this is your, you know, first time coming to church, don't worry. Keep trying. You got this. And if you've been going for 20 or 30 years... And you're still the same person as when you first got saved, oh, my, 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 my. man. It's, it's time to step up. Come on, come on. It's time to step up. That's not good enough. Verse twenty-two. And whatever we ask, we it comes God. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. I'm sorry. I don't know why. But this type of topic has came up the last three times that I preached. <laughs> so I have to speak on it because you have so many churches right now that preach this name and claim and stuff. And if, if, I, if I say it, it's going to happen. God doesn't give us everything we ask for. He only gives us what we ask for if it's in his will. And if we are aligned with his will, then God blesses us sometimes and he knows what we need. But I want you to, I want you to say, hear this part right here too. It did say because we keep his commandments. So, pastor, are you trying to say that my actions can affect my prayer life? Yes. Matter of fact, there's other parts in the Bible where it says if you don't forgive other people, it will affect your prayers. And Peter, it says, husbands, listen up. It says, how you treat your wife will affect your prayer life. Hey, wives, you'll know if you listen to the sermon, if he comes back and starts washing your feet and cooking dinner and doing the dishes and all that stuff, okay? How we act. That should be important to us. We can't just expect God to do everything if we're not even trying to live the life that he wants us to live. And And it is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Jesus Christ. Christ. And love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, everybody say, "By by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has. God gave us two commandments that were above everything else that summarized everything there was. To love God and love people. Period. That summarized everything we have. The mark of a Christian is love and action. It's loving God and loving people. And I really feel that our church does that well. I really believe that. And by doing so, you know that we abide in him like he abides in us. And then it shows that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, now here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you, well, you're not a Christian. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you will be trying to do this stuff. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you will love God. And the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you. You will show it by loving his people. Because remember, even if you don't like somebody, always remember this. Ask God to put on his goggles. You can start seeing them the same way God sees them. And remember that even if you don't like them, Jesus died on the cross for him too. Because the mark of the Christian is love. So, because I want to really drill this home. I I, I feel so many times that, and I've seen it, you guys have seen it. Maybe this is, hopefully it's not you. But sometimes people go to church and they do put their suit on. They put on their Sunday best or whatever you want to call it. Um, And and they go to church and and they leave and they tell everybody, I'm a Christian. And and, and Paul and and John are both trying to say, this is what a Christian is. So we can measure ourselves up to what a Christian is and see if that's really us. If we are actually abiding in Christ. Okay. So does everybody see this banana? You see, it's a banana, right? Banana comes from an orange tree. I mean, from a, from a <laughs> banana tree. But what if I was to tell you that this banana wasn't really a banana? That this banana was actually an orange. What would you say? You'd be like, it's not an orange, it's a banana. Well, how do you know? Because you can see it. The mark of a Christian, how do you know someone's a Christian? You will see it in their lives. Oh, yeah. People can say what they want. They can say they're a Christian, but if they're not a Christian, you're going to see it. it will be evidence. Yeah. Great you know, I really want to encourage us today. to, to before, Don't just leave today and be like, great sermon or nothing like that. Really think about this, read this later, and kind of go over it between yourself, just you and God, and pray, and ask God, God, which one of these? Now, which one do you think you need to work on? Because, like I said, we can rationalize that out sometimes. Say, I'm not that bad at that. God, which one of these do you think I need to work on today? And write them down. And really pray on them. And, and, and see, especially like when we're dealing with family members. I, I, I don't like when churches are divided. And so many churches in, in, in today, around the globe, are divided. I don't like when, when, when churches are afraid to, to go share the gospel with the lost. Because they don't want to mix with unbelievers. And then we always got to remember, and this is the hard part. Sometimes we forget why we do this in the first place. Why did Jesus Christ die for you and me in the first place? So I would like to invite you today. If you never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, after service, when we do prayer time, I, I give you an opportunity to come up. And you can accept him today. And if you're the person who maybe just been coming to church on Sundays, you're not really committed to a church, you're not serving nowhere, you're not in a life group, you're not really kind of just checking out the box and be honest with ourselves. Instead of just going home and, 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 and taking off your suit so you can continue to do what you've always done, I'm going to invite you to take off your suit and just be the real Christian that you were called and created to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then for the last person, you're really trying to work on this stuff I want to pray for you so when we pray I want to pray I want to pray that that God really shows you the areas that you need to, to work out in your life and that you have the strength and commitment and discipline to do whatever he tells you to do so the next time if somebody asks, people ask if you're a Christian, and they ask somebody else that you don't even know is watching you, and they ask them, is there a Christian? There's not a doubt in their mind, because they've seen your actions. They've seen what you do when nobody's looking. They've seen your integrity, so it's not a surprise. They're like, oh yeah, why you even ask me that? Let us pray. Dear Father God, I just I thank you so much just for all the people here, Lord, who heard this message today. Thank you for giving me this message to speak to them. And as we were reading your word, Father God, and we were dissecting what the marks of a Christian are, Father God, I pray that the individuals who are listening to the message would hear the ones that they need to work on and that they would earnestly work on them and diligently work on them because they love you so much and they just want to be more like you. And Lord, if they mess up and the enemy gets in their head, Lord, Remind them of their assurance in Christ and who their identity is and whose son or daughter they are. So, Lord, as we leave today, help us be better than we were yesterday and every day for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.